0: Journey into the Bible and explore its hidden text and rich wisdom. Join Adol Kazilski Mondays at one PM for the trip of a lifetime. Shavua Welcome, welcome. This is one hundred one point nine FM. I am Adol Kazilski, and I'm going to be learning with you now for the next forty five minutes. We are in the Book of Exodus. We're in chapter five we are now going to be learning a lot of drama and this drama is not written in the actual verses of the bible though i do encourage you that if you are sitting around and you're uh, having some lunch that you can open up a a bible and and look at the verses that i'm referring to what i'm going to be relying on and this is the way that we've been learning is we are going to be learning from the midrash the midrash generally is um that part of torah that was orally passed down and eventually written down um and it is the story behind the story it's that which fills fills um all the gaps that we have and in fact we have a huge gap now that we are going to have to understand from the midrash that is not necessarily written down in the in in, in the bible itself so we are going to start on chapter 5, verse 1, um, in in, 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 the, in the Chumash. But I want just to take you back where we left off last time. And that was that Moses got the instructions to go back into Egypt. Um, Aaron got the instructions simultaneously to go meet up with Moshe. The two brothers meet, they chat, they share information. God explains to them what it is. Uh, that he wants them to do and then they come down into Goshen, into the 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 the, 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 the suburbs where the Jews live and they have a chit chat with the elders and they show them the signs of the snake, of the leprosy, of the uh water turning into blood. Um Moshe gives the sign pakot he uses those key words. The elders are very excited. They understand that Moshe is the real deal, but to double check, they go to the, um, to Sarah, who was the granddaughter of the tribe of Asher. Her grandfather was Asher. She had lived long and she had also been given the code words. And when she heard the code word, pakot pakarati, she verified that in fact Moses was the real McCoy. And then what happens is, is that if you go look at verse four, Chapter thirty one, uh or actually chapter uh, I mean not chapter th- ver- chapter four, verse thirty and thirty-one, it says that the entire nation believed the Hashem They knew and they heard now that God and um, remembered the Jewish people, um Etonyam, that they saw his suffering, and they prostrated, they bowed down, and they were very, very excited. But guess what? The redemption was about to start. Now, in between that and this next verse, which we're going to start on now, verse 1 of chapter 5, which reads as follows, Moshe And afterwards Moshe and Aaron came, They said to Paro, So says God, the God of Israel, Shlach Etami, the very famous words let my people go, so that they may celebrate a festival in the desert. So we kind of go from zero to a hundred in one second. Literally the people, Jewish people believed, they bow down their heads, they prostrated, and the next one is they say to 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 Paroi, to, let my people go this is why we need the midrash so let's let me give you the story behind the story and as always i always welcome your comments your questions 34519 is the sms line 0618951019 is our telegram number right so what is the story behind the story so the midrash tells us that once the the elders Okay, the, 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 the leaders of the Jewish people believed that Moses was in fact the true emissary of God. Moses turned around and said to the elders, well, let us all go to Pharaoh. Let's all go to Pharaoh together and tell him what God has instructed. So there was a lot of enthusiasm and everyone was excited. And so off they went. Moses, Aaron and the elders. But What happened was, along the way, the closer they got to Paros' palace, fear struck their hearts, and one by one, each and every one of the elders changed their mind, because they feared Paros so much. So they left one, and then another, then another, then another, that guess what happened? By the time Moshe and Aharon arrived at the palace, They were, as we say in South Africanism, stock alien. They were by themselves. So, that's going to take a lot of courage. They're standing now by the palace of Pyro. Now, what we need to understand about Pharaoh's palace, and if I can um, depict verbally to you so that you can kind of like see it in your mind's eyes, the royal palace was enormous. It not only was enormous, it was heavily guarded. And while Moshe and Aaron stood outside, it became very obvious to both the brothers that they could not. There was no way that they would gain entrance into the palace to speak to Pharaoh. We can kind of, like, can understand it that what we don't do is we don't, we don't, uh, we, we can't just walk in and go speak to the king of England, right? You have to get through a whole lot of stuff. Um, and and speak to people in whatever you think it is. This was even worse because Pharaoh um, was was really really nervous about his security, and so it was unbelievably guarded. So now Moshe and Aaron are sitting outside this thing, and they they became discouraged, and they thought, Well, what? How how the heck are we going to get in? Suddenly, we're told from the midrash. The angel Gavriel arrived, he appeared, and he basically plucked them, he took them, and he plonked them inside the palace. Okay? Inside the palace. Now, all of a sudden, there are two strange men walking the corridors of the palace, and there is a huge uh, disturbance. Pharaoh hears the disturbance. And he says, what's going on? And they're told there are two unauthorized strangers. They've suddenly appeared in the corridors of the palace. So he calls his guards, Pharaoh, and he rages rages at them for allowing strangers to just sneak into the palace. And unfortunately, a number of guards were summarily executed and others were dismissed from their posts. And Aaron and Moshe were picked up and thrown out. The next day, Moshe and Aaron are undeterred. They have a command from God. They again arrive at the palace, and again the angel Gabriel plunks them inside the corridor's of the palace. Now, Paro goes bananas. Start screaming at them, are you blind? If people find it so easy to get into the palace, of what use are you? Like, what is going on here? And we're told that the officers replied, your majesty, the guard around the palace was especially tight today. There is no way that any person could have gotten into the palace without us knowing it. And if they entered the palace without our knowledge, they must have done so through sorcery. That was their reply. And now you're going to have to hang on the edge of your chair until we see what happens next. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. This is Adel Kozilski. It is 101.9 High FM. And... Moses and Aaron are now back in the palace. And the gods have gone and um, said to Pharaoh, there is no way, no chance, that these two guys could have got into the palace any other way but through sorcery. Now, let's understand what happened when they came in the next day. Once they were in the palace... Moses and Aaron, Aaron, Moshe and Aaron started trying to gain access to the throne room. Now, the inner chamber of the throne room is guarded by two huge lions. Live lions. Not chopped off ones. Live lions. And any unauthorized person who would try to get to the throne room would be torn to pieces by these very fierce beasts. Okay? And We are told in the Midrash that not only were there two lions that were out by the inner room of the, of the, of the throne, but there were many key entrances guarded by lions, wolves, other fierce, fierce beasts, and they left them hungry. And the only way that you could pass by them without being eaten yourself was if you were accompanied by the animal keepers. The animals keep, animal keepers would have to give them fresh meat to distract them so that you could walk through. So imagine, here's Moshe Naron, probably in half a zoo, um, a very opulent zoo. But what happened was Moshe knew exactly what to do with these, these, these fierce beasts. Why? He touched them with that staff that he had, and they became as meek as lambs. Remember, the staff, we've spoken about it many times, originated from Adam Arishan from Adam. And it was such a powerful staff that anybody who held it, who used it, was able to subdue the natural world. That's why at one point in time it was in the hands of Aesop. And that's why it says Aesop was such a good hunter. He didn't have a skill. He had the staff. And he would go out, he was able to subdue the animals and that would allow him to hunt well. Well, now Moshe's got the staff in his hand. And so he walked around and he calmed all the animals down. So what really happened, if you can picture it in your mind's eye, was that as Moshe was proceeding through the palace, the wild beasts began to follow him, like, like trained dogs. So when he finally gets into the throne room, um, unauthorized, but with absolute freedom, in walks Moshe and Aaron, accompanied by a huge honor guard of regal wild beasts. Unbelievable. Paroi's eyes goggled. He was astounded okay, by the strange sight. And he looks at Moshe and Aaron. They both were dressed in simple peasant clothes. But they they had such a bearing of royalty that... He's hysterical, okay? And he says, "What do you want here?" Now we're going to go to verse one and see what Moshe and Aaron answered. and after Moshe and Aaron came El Paro, Yomru El Paro. They said to Paro, "Ko Amar Hashem Elokei Israel, So says Hashem. Abaya, the, 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 the special tetragrammaton name of God, the God of Israel, Shlachetami, let my people go, the Yachoigu liba so that I can, so they could celebrate a festival for me in the, in the desert. So, when Moshe, when Pharaoh said, what do you, who, what do you want here? Moshe said, Hashem, the God of the, of the Israelites sent me and He's. I'm telling you in his name, let my people go. Paro was flawed. He didn't know what to do. He didn't know what to say. He was completely unsure of himself. So when in doubt, what do you do? He said, I need time to think. I need to consult my experts. Come back tomorrow and I will speak to you then. So Moshe and Aaron leaves his presence. Paroi is not such a clever oki. He calls his favorite and most famous, um, occultist Bilam. Bilam and his sons. And he brings together also all other key sorcerers in Egypt. And he goes and he says to them, did you know what just happened? These two old men entered my throne room. They were flanked by two huge lions and a retinue of wild beasts. And I want to know," yelled Paroy. "What kind of sorcery did these two old men use?" Bilam replies, "Well, dear Paroy, with the occult arts, many things can be done, and it's pretty obvious now that these two men are expert occultists, um, and they, they they must have used that power then to gain entrance into the palace, and then." Again, to tame the animals that you've been guarding at your gates. So what I suggest you do is bring them and we will test their abilities. So on the morrow, this is the third day, Moshe and Aaron um, come into the palace. That third day, we are told in the Midrash, was a very important Egyptian holiday Um, And on that holiday, I don't know what the name was, but what they, what happened then was emissaries from, from the entire civilized world would come to Paroi and they would bear gifts and royal crowns. And each one would also bring like, um, religious symbols pertaining to the gods of their land and all the nations of the Middle East would thus demonstrate their dedication to Pharaoh. So, on that third day, the third time they came back, um, Moshe and Aaron dress as nobles, and they enter the palace with all the other ambassadors. There was, obviously, a lot of protocol. There was the chief of protocol um, that needed to go and vet everybody. They refused to answer any questions. They were quite ostreperous, we might say. Um, but, basically... The the chief of protocol, the guy who was controlling who was allowed in and who wasn't, went to Pharaoh and said, well, I've got these two guys. They won't tell me their names. They won't tell me who they are. They, they're, they're really being very difficult. Pharaoh said, let them in. Let them come in. Initially, Pharaoh, Pharaoh did not recognize Moshe and Aaron because they were dressed like in finery. He thought they were some ambassadors from an exotic distant land and he was looking around to see what gifts or messages they had. But it became pretty obvious very quickly that they were empty-handed, and they didn't even greet Pharaoh in the normal manner befitting somebody who's visiting royalty. So it didn't take long for Pharaoh to be ticked off, and he started Screaming at them, "Who? Whose ambassadors are you? So Moshe and Aaron would reply, We are the ambassadors of Yudkei Vavke, the name of Hashem. We are the ambassadors of Hashem. And why are you here? Who do you want? asked Pharaoh. There is God's message. Let my people go. Now, just understand that the entire throne room is filled with visiting kings and nobles. Everybody's eyes were on Moshe and Aaron, and quite frankly, they were scared. They were all trembling. Here they're looking at two old men with long stately beards. They were standing like as erect as cedars, their eyes flashing like sunbeams. The staff that Moshe was holding in his hand uh, okay, with, with Hashem's name engraved on its perimeter was, was just fearsome to hold. And when Aaron spoke, it was with such majesty and authority that everybody just stood there and they couldn't control themselves. They were trembling. They trembled so much that whatever they had, on their heads, crowns or whatever like that, they took off their crowns as a sign of of um of awe. They prostrated themselves on the floor, and Paroy was horrified. He has these two men, these two good for nothings, and the entire assembly of people now are prostrating themselves and trembling before these two guys. He ran out to the bathroom, the Midrash says. <laughs> he had to rush out, okay, um, to attend to a call of nature. Already, when he went out to attend to a call of nature, rats in the, the, the lavatory began to attack him, biting at him, nibbling at him, and Paro started screaming for assistance. It said that Paro's screams were heard across the entire palace. People came to help Paroi, he put himself together, and uh, before long, there he was again, uh, Paroi, the greatest leader, the greatest ruler in the civilized world, and he needed to compose himself and direct this conversation. So he says to Moshe and Aaron, and um, who is this Yudke Vavke, this Hashem, of which you speak, has he ever sent me a tribute? Could he have not sent me a crown or any other suitable gift? You came with nothing. Are all the words, are are only the words that you say, is that my gift, his gift to me? And besides, who is he? I've never heard of you at Cape Abkeh. I've never heard of this God. So Moshe and Aaron stood there. They were transfixing Paro with their own eyes, okay, and they said, uh, uh, and, and they just sat there staring at him. That enraged Paro even more, and so he rebuts again. You claim to be ambassadors of Yutke Vavke, of this god. You say that he is a god. But look, I can look through my registry of gods. I can't seem to find his name. In fact, he says to his servants, go to the royal library and bring me the registry of national deities. And they bring back this big fat book. This book okay, not only had the deities of all the many regions of Egypt, the, the registry included all the gods of Ammon, of Moab, of Sidon, everywhere else in the civilized as well as the non-civilized world. So, he goes into his private study, he carefully goes through, um, this huge book, and um, he wants to try and see where is this Yutke Vavke, where is this name of God. Okay? Because now he has to deal with these really, really ostreperous strangers. So he takes a little while, Pharaoh, and he comes back and he says, I don't know who this yud k k is. I have searched all the lists and I have not found his name. So, gentlemen, what game are you playing? So Moses replies, dear Pharaoh, your attitude reminds me of a story. And before Pharaoh could say anything else, Moses now weaves this incredible tale. He says, there once was a Hebrew Kohen priest. You know, Hebrew Cohen is a priest. This priest, this Kohen, had a lazy slave. And one day, the Cohen leaves, left the house without leaving word where he was going, and the slave started uh, searching for his master, looking, looking, looking here, looking there, looking everywhere. Eventually, where does the slave land up? He lands up in the community cemetery, and he's going around and he's seeing some people. Says, "Have you seen my master? Have you seen my master? Can you find? Do you know? Do you know where, 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 where Mr. Cohen priest is?" One of the people visiting the cemetery that knew the master said to the slave, excuse me, but is your master not a priest, not a Cohen?" Of course he is, replied the slave. Then said the passerby to the slave, don't you realize that it's forbidden, forbidden for a Cohen to enter a cemetery? This is the last place you can expect to find him. Like how silly says Moshe now, after telling the story to Pharaoh, he says, the same thing is true here. Our God lives and endures. He's a live God. How do you expect to find him in a list of dead, inert idols? That's ridiculous. Well said, Pharaoh, what kind of God do you have? Is he old? Is he young? How old is he? Tell me, how many lands has he conquered? How many years has he ruled? Says Moshe and Aaron, our God existed long before the universe was created. And he will continue to exist for all eternity. And he is the one who created you and gave you a soul. A sneer curled Pharaoh's lips. Uh Uh-huh. And what can he do? Do, says Moshe Naron. He is the one who spread out the heavens and made the, the, the earth's, the earth firm. His voice is like a fire. He can uproot mountains and split the earth's crust. His bow is the clouds and his arrows are the lightning bolts. He created the mountains and the hills and covered the plains with grass. He made the wind blow and the rain fall. He forms the child in the womb and he brings it to the light, out into the light of the world. He is the one who crowns kings and disposes of them at his will. Parois became livid. Fools, he yelled. Fools, don't you know that I am Pharaoh? I created myself and the Nile is the work of my hands. Now know that deep down inside, Pharaoh was pretty disturbed with what he heard. Okay, um, and afterwards he called his theologians again to ask, them, well, "Are you sure you don't know who this god is?" His 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 savants, his uh, occultists said to him, "Yes, we have heard of him. We have heard that he is the son of ancient wizards, and it is said that he is he is spawned by the kings of yore." Aha, thought Pharaoh. There is such a God, but he's not nearly what the strangers claim him to be. So, guess what, folks? I have no reason to fear him. And so, aloud, he says to the congregation, Who is this God, this Yudke, Vavke, that I should pray to and listen to his voice? What makes you think that I have any obligation to obey the whims of God? Well, guys, ladies and gentlemen... Pharaoh was to have ample reason to regret these words. Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. So now we have to have the rebuff of Moshe and Aaron. What do they say in verse 3 by Yomru? They said back to Pharaoh after he's ranted. Eloke hai ivrim nikra Aleno the God of the Hebrews, has revealed Himself to us. Nelecha na yamim Please let us go for a three-day journey into the desert. Let us sacrifice to our God, Elokeinu, who is our God, pen o Baherev. Otherwise, you might very well be stricken down with the plague or the sword. So, What Moshe and Aaron meant was, otherwise he will strike you down with the plague or the sword. But from their tone of voice, Paro also understood their meaning. But they didn't want to threaten him directly. So they went and said, he may strike us down with the plague or the sword. God wasn't going to strike down the Jewish people with the plague or the sword. He's going to strike you, Pharaoh. But from here we learn that we need to respect government in general, and we cannot make open threats to the government. And truthfully, an open threat would probably have been way more effective. Okay. But since one is obligated to show respect to a duly constituted government, even if it is corrupt, um, Moshe and Aaron changed their wording around so that they It would seem as if, hey, Paro, if you don't listen, all of us are going to be struck down. Um, Also, you will see in the verse that when he says, who is this guy? I don't know who Yudkei Vavkei is. He's called in this verse, in verse 3, Elkei Haivrim, the God of the Hebrews. Again, here, Moshe and Aaron could have just said, he's God, he's Yudkei Vavkei. This is who he is. He's the God of Israel. I'll just give you his first name, but out of deference and trying to um, manipulate the situation, that it didn't sound too bad, they went and changed the name. It's the God of the Hebrews. Okay, so they 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 altered they altered God's name. Um, We need to take note here. That Moshe had been given extraordinary latitude by Hashem to use his own judgment. And he figured, well, maybe if I stop calling and telling about Pharaoh as uh, the, telling Pharaoh that God is bav Bavk, he said, the God of the Hebrews. Ah, okay, it sounds a little bit better. Pharaoh doesn't bite into this by, by Yomer, and he says to them so the king of Egypt says to them, Why are you, Moshe and Aaron, distracting the people, Mima'asav, from their responsibilities? Go, go back to work. Okay, this is called diversion. <laughs> diversion tactics. Okay? While, while this debate of who is God, Um, While this was going on, Pharaoh had instructed his secret police to investigate who the heck these two guys were. And he received a report back that there was Aaron, he was a Levite, he was a leader of the Hebrews, and that the other was Moses, Moshe, who had been convicted of murder and had fled the land 60 60 years earlier. So when he gets that piece of of information, Pharaoh says, I know who you are. You are on, are a Levite, a leader. And you, Moses, you're an escaped convict. What do you, what are you, what do you, who do you think you are coming here to me and trying to get the people out of doing the work um, that has been allotted to them? Don't you have anything better to do? Why don't you go back and do your work yourself? And besides, I know that you are both Levites. And you have not been drafted into our building projects, and that's why you have nothing better to do, okay, then come and propose that I let your people hold a religious festival way out in the desert. Okay. One of the, the commentators in the midrash goes and says, where he says, go back to your work. Um, there are some opinions that hold that per- Paro, this was where Paro tightened the, the slavery and he now drafted the, Le- the Levites to go to work just like all the others and that they would no longer be allowed um, automatic exemption. And he rants and he raves and he goes, your proposition will result in tremendous losses and the workers are in the middle of a major project. And they cannot simply drop everything and take a vacation. And um, if you want to go and you want to have a religious uh, celebration, I'll agree to maybe you're able to take maybe one or 2,000 men. But if you're asking me to let my entire work, work flow go, there's over 600,000 men on building projects. You have a chutzpah, an audacity to ask me, to let them all leave at the same time. Now, Paro also understood something more. His calculation was very simple. If all the workers were to go celebrate a religious rite in the desert, it would take a three-day journey from Egypt. That would mean it would take them three days to get there and another three days to return. They would also need to take an extra additional day to do whatever ceremonies this, this unknown god was asking And so what would that mean in total? That would mean that, in fact, uh, they'd be away for seven days. So he wasn't going to take any, any any of this. It would land up bankrupting the royal treasury, and that made him so mad that he says, not only are you demanding things that you're never going to get, I'm going to make sure that you have nothing. He was an absolute revolting Sadist. What does he say? Um, Paro says, I can see that there are many of you. Now you can make them take a vacation from your tasks? No. He commanded on that day. Those that were over the people. The tribe and, and over to the policemen's or saying, Okay, no longer will you be allowed. You will be. You will. You continue to give the people straw to form the bricks as before. They must go and gather their own straw. The Ets mat kan but the the quota of bricks ashemosim tim ol shon tasi mu alein they will still have to fulfill the quota of bricks lotigru mi menu kinifim hem al kein hem to actim lomar nalghad nis bhal they are lazy okay don't reduce the quota of bricks they have to produce Because I know that they're sitting there and that they're lazy. Make the work even heavier for the men. Um, And make sure that you do it so that they will stop paying attention to false words. So until this point in time, as we all know, the Jews received the straw from the Egyptians. Now they were going to need to do it all themselves. what a situation. This is 101.9, Hi FM. Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. To end it up, we're told in the Midrash that Paro is really angry as he addressed his administrators, shouting at them, make sure that these Hebrews work hard, keep them working all day and night because obviously They have they have enough time to be foolish. So now we're not going to make them foolish. Now, just to remind our listeners, when Moshe was part of the royal family, he made a rule that the Israelites would have a day of rest. Once every seven days. And this, of course, we know corresponded to Shabbat. So what would happen on that day, they would down their tools, they would study the scrolls, um, containing the teachings that were passed down from Abraham Yitzhak and Yaakov. Paro says, I know this Moshe, he was the one who made these slaves have a day of rest every seven days. Now, he's done enough damage, and I hear the people are spending the days just reading scrolls filled with their religious foolishness, take away the rest day, and they won't have any time for such um, folly. All this was promulgated, tablets were posted, lists of quota of bricks for each tribe, and each of the tribes had to fill its daily quota without fail. When Moses, when Moshe got wind of these harsh new rules, he was worried for Zipporah and his sons. gathered them up. He left Egypt with them. Um, he returned to his father-in-law Yitro. The Midrash says some opinions hold that he was there for six months. Aaron, however, remained in Egypt. Another opinion says that he remained in Midian for three months and no more. Um, God agreed that Moshe should return to Egypt to publicize the wickedness of the Egyptians, but instead, of obeying God's voice, Pharaoh had used it as an excuse to make the Israelites' labor all the more harsh. And when the people saw the plagues that God would bring upon the Egyptians, they would realize now that they deserved it. By the way, there was another opinion that says that Moses went back and forth to Midian seven times. So now we have a Hittis, um in the redemptive story. And we are going to have to go and see what actually happens. But for that, you have to tune back in to 101.9 High FM every Monday at 1 o'clock and so I will be here next week same time and we will continue this really dramatic story. Until then, Shabu atav, and have a wonderful productive weekend.